0: Welcome to In The Isles, the podcast that is hoping to be cancelled so we can enjoy more media attention than we've ever had in our careers. I'm James Rothwell. I'm Dan Acton. This week we're talking about what we've been watching, including genre-bending romance, Elijah Wood and Germans in a Forest. We'll talk some real news and the conflicts of interest about the best video game adaptation film ever made. And our main review is Barb and Star go to Casta Del Mar. Casta Del Mar. Sorry. Thank you. No worries.
1: I'm not doing that again, though. No, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) James, episode 40. We're we're nearly at a half century. We're 10 episodes shy. What a meaningless milestone we've hit. As they say, podcasts begin at 40. Never heard that, but I'll I'll go with the floor. Not life and begins at 40. It's a- yeah, yeah, got it. Sorry, not, not on the right wavelength today, which may be the case for our main review, but we'll see. Um, 40 episodes in, but we've never recorded this podcast in the same rooms together. What a crying shame. Do you think they'll ever come a day? 21st
0: of June, maybe. Is that the newly announced date where... As the Queen said, we will meet again. Mm,
1: well, I'm sure that'll be a moving goalpost when everyone decides to take the mick and cases skyrocket once again. But we'll see. We'll see.
0: Cases so. are coming down. We're coming out of it. Cases are coming down. Let's just let's just meet up. Let's just meet up already. It's June. We're only a <laughs> few weeks away. Oh,
1: back to square one. <laughs> In brighter news, though, Disney Plus this week launched launched their uh, Star Channel. Have you managed to have a peruse around that? I did have a look because Disney emailed me about it.
0: I know it's obvious and I should have expected it, but I went on it and everything is American, isn't it? It's all old American Fox stuff. Yeah. And that made me lose my excitement, realising again, oh, that's all it is. And one of the featured things is 24... Which I love, but I'm not going to go through nine seasons of 24 episodes, 45 minutes each. I'm not going to do it. Same for X Files. Oh, is X Files on there? Yeah. Uh,
1: I did have a quick skate round. I think I think there's some decent stuff on it, but agreed, it's all American. I'll tell you the one thing that's left me a bit annoyed. I bought, and I have no idea why. Have you heard of the TV show Nine One One? No. It's basically like a CSI type show, but around emergency services. And I watched a few episodes. It's just really nice, mindless TV. And I thought I want a bit more of that. So I purchased the entire season for $14.99 a week ago on Amazon Prime. Available for free on Disney Plus. Fuming. Absolutely fuming. Just a quick mention, as is obligatory now for the social medias, please support this podcast. Like us on Facebook. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And follow us on Instagram at In The Isles Podcast. Did me a favour this week, the Instas, because we, or you, posted about is it a crime to skip TV seasons? We discussed it. Was it in last week's episode? Two weeks ago, I think. It was episode 38. Time flies. Get confused. But you won that argument. I gave in far too easily. And I felt awful. I thought about it for days on end afterwards. I, was, I wasn't I was happy with my performance. I thought I had a better argument here. James was wrong. You can't skip TV seasons. And the public have saved me. They've saved me. Because we had two people comment this week, one of which, and I'll read, never skip, ever, ever, must watch everything in chronological order, done. I'm not going to argue with him. It's exactly the point I made. And in just... Nearly eight words, he formulated his argument far better than I did. Another comment, which is a bit more succinct and to the point, was in a word, yes, it is a crime, which um I'm not going to lie. That's my mate, Oliver. Um, So sort of engineered that one. I didn't ask him to post that, but there you go. So what have you got to say, James? Because it seems like two people have my back here. Um You're wrong, aren't you? Do you want to accept it?
0: I've said before, I accept the outcome of democratic votes. And if this was a vote, I will have lost the debate.
1: Well, I'm not going to decide on a punishment just yet. I'm going to mull it over this evening and I'll let you know in due course. But it's not going to be a good one because you deserve it, in my opinion, for making me feel like I didn't have a leg to stand on when... I had two perfectly good legs. This is why I'm bad (laughs) at arguments.
0: (sighs) You know what I did? It's not a crime because I have seen 24 before, but seeing 24 on Disney Plus Star Plus Fox, I watched the last scene of the last episode of 24.
1: I don't even remember what that was.
0: The last scene of the penultimate season which was supposed to be the end it's when jack fades out on the uh, big tv screen when the drone is turned off
1: yeah yeah do remember it now you've said
0: and the last scene of the v- season nine he gets in helicopter which i'd forgotten well but that's, that's not fine is it because i've seen it before i yeah, wanted exactly. to
1: live those moments i mean if we really uh you dirty laundry james maybe we should be discussing how you decide what content you watch not by skipping seasons, but skipping through episodes just to see whether you like it, and making a decision based on that. You just no. <laughs> no we're, not
0: we're not getting into my my web browser version of Netflix skipping technique to watch a whole episode in ten seconds. We're not getting into that. We're not getting into that. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough.
1: But never mind. What about you anyway? What's going on? What's going on? In, what's, what's going on with you and yours? N- nothing. Nothing.
0: I don't have a pre-prepared anecdote. Nothing's nothing's happened.
1: Well, we'll not make shit up then. We'll just move on, shall we?
0: Oh, I went to Tesco three times on Sunday. <laughs> Why? I? First time was to get morning food. Second time was realizing, right, we're not gonna cook, let's just get some ready meals. Third time was, you've got the wrong ready meal, go back and buy the correct ready meal.
1: What did you stuff up on? What, what had you got
0: by mistake? I'd accidentally bought a non-microwavable beef stew thing, but what I should have got was... No, it was a chicken stew. What I should have got was a microwavable chicken cream, white cream stew thing. The only thing that was right about what I got was that it was chicken everything else was wrong
1: what a plonker anyway lesson learned maybe reduce it to two trips next weekend and then you then you're on the right path well we're just mincing about at the minute shall we crack on yes let's go into it what have you been watching i watched the new netflix british mystery thriller behind her eyes which i believe you've also seen So I'm interested for you to interject and tell me what your thoughts are in a minute. But it centers on a single mum, Louise, who becomes entwined in this complicated relationship between a husband and wife. And it all starts off when, after a random night out, Louise bumps into a rather charming Scottish fellow. They have a few drinks, get to flirting. And the next thing you know, they nearly get off with one another before he develops a conscience and says, whoa, horsey. I'm paraphrasing. It's not quite what he said. The next day, she arrives at work and finds out that her boss, her new boss, who she's the PA for, is none other than the man that she nearly did kissing with tongs with the night before. And <laughs> her feelings develop, and she finds herself in the middle of not only an affair, but a blossoming friendship with this new man toy's wife. So in the midst of this love triangle as well, she's dealing with these reoccurring nightmares, which leads to some of the more interesting directions that the show takes. That being said, they show you these nightmares and it leads to some quite dodgy looking special effects that did take me out of it at points. It's quite, it looks like 2000s, early 2000s CGI. I just didn't like the look of it at all. But that aside, the main thing that holds your attention throughout this is that what's going on in this husband and wife relationship, there's a lot of unknowns from the offset regarding their relationship. The dynamic between them is quite odd and very unexplained. And because of that, you're constantly questioning which one of them are you supposed to be rooting for? What's happened in their past that's led to this fractured marriage? And it does work from that perspective. Uh, I don't know what you thought, but the two female actors are the main reason to watch this, both... Eve Hewson, who is Bono's daughter. Uh, She plays the mysterious wife, and Simona Brown is the central protagonist, Louise. They're both really good in this and give performances that are worth tuning in for. The male actor, on the other hand, he just has this constant look of fear and confusion and anger throughout the entire thing. And maybe that's what the character demanded, but it did feel a bit too one dimensional for me. I was just fed up of looking at his face by the midway point um he is good looking though so i'm sure many people will disagree there's been some quite sniffy reviews about this from the guardian giving it two stars out of five and calling it dull and i'll be honest i was of the same opinion on the series um early on it seemed to be setting up a lot of plot threads for the sake of it and oh we're adding to the mystery and intrigue but we're not really going to go anywhere with it so it does admittedly start quite slow but it does then gained some momentum after that. And I'd say uh, around episode four, it does find its stride. And it's, it's then that I went, hang on a minute. This seems really familiar. And I realized that I'd read the novel that this is based on less than nine months ago. So <laughs> uh, at that point, I got excited again because I thought, oh, I know where the book goes. And I'm, I'm interested to see how they pull off a very ambitious final act. I don't know why it took me four hours to realize that I'd, I'd very recently read this book but uh i must say this every week by the way and i'm not meaning to but it's a complicated series to summarize in its entirety because i feel that whether it works or not hinges on some of the twists later on in the novel and i would ruin it to talk about it here so all i'll say is it's true to its source material even though it took me four hours to realize it it does a solid job of bringing the story to life and it mostly does pull off that twist i'm glad netflix made it I don't regret watching it. It's nothing stellar, but it's absolutely fine. What did you think? Is the book a different title, and that's why you forgot that you read it? No, it's exactly the same title, and it's the same colour of font. Do you read so many books that you forgot what books you read? Crime, thrillery-wise,
0: yes. I think that is what's happened. Okay, that's fine. I agree about the special effects. There's a dodgy blue screen scene or two where people are standing in a room of fire that just doesn't look good at all. I agree about the male character. His character was that he was Scottish. (laughs) And he seemed a bit too much like Jamie Dornan, and that distracted me, because Jamie Dornan's in our main review. I I was getting him all mixed up with that. But I completely agree about Eve Hewson, who was in Tesla. I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh, yeah. Tesla's on and off love interest. She's very good. Good to see her back and in a prominent role after slumming it as Bono's daughter until now. And Simona Brown was good as well. It's one of those programs where everyone is bad. You, You don't really know who to root for, but that's the point and that's what keeps you interested. So I like that. With the twist, which I won't give away either. For me, it took too long to get there. And so, it, on the, yeah. so it pretends to be a more straightforward romantic maybe erotic drama thriller and then the genre switches but it took too long to get there and if you reject the genre flip you will not be able to watch the rest of it but if you accept it you'll like it which i did i did like it Eve Hewson, again, just to praise her even more, what I really liked about her is that there are lots of flashbacks, more and more flashbacks as the series goes on to 10 years ago. There was a good time when she was doing well and happy and had long hair. And in present day, it's a less happy time. So she does both of those really well. And that really makes you think, what happened in this relationship? And the Scottish guy He's quite similar as well. He's so happy and smiley and has no beard. But again, it's just very generic and boring. Then over in the present day, he's very sulky. That adds to the mystery. You just you never quite know what happened to make them like this. Mm. So I really enjoyed it as well. I don't regret watching it. When I saw it come up, I set a notification for it just because the person from Tesla was in it. I didn't know that it was based on a book
1: I thought it might be a bit obscure, but it's number one on Netflix. It's the number one show. How oh, is it? I can imagine it's taking a lot of boxes for a, a great deal of people, this show, so it doesn't surprise me. But I, I am interested to see what the consensus is, because I think you're right. It's it's going to be very jarring for a lot of people, that genre flip. I don't think everyone's going to welcome it with open arms. It's It's a bit left field,
0: isn't it? It is. I would even submit that there's a double switch or two switches one yeah. halfway through and then one at the end mm-hmm.
1: it's it's interesting i think yeah we're, we're in agreement it's it's worth a watch isn't it
0: yes definitely that's behind her eyes on netflix what else have you been watching
1: So after last week, I thought, I'm going to make this the new norm now. I'm going to watch weird old films that I may not have come across, or maybe I did, and I want to revisit them. So I watched the 2013 film starring Elijah Wood, Grand Piano, which is tucked away on Amazon Prime for free. And I only came across this because, you know, when we were doing our research for the underrated films of the 2010s. Yes, I remember that this popped up and I thought I've never ever heard of this film at all it doesn't even fire off in the head going oh maybe there's an inkling there no never heard of it and it's about a concert pianist played by Elijah Wood who after five years out of the spotlight following a near career ending performance he returns to give this redemption concert of a lifetime but There's a twist, another twist. He has a sniper pointed at him throughout the whole thing and if he hits one false note, he dies. Have you heard of this before, by the way?
0: I've never heard of it. There's a lot of Elijah Wood films that I've never heard of or even seen the titles of. He's a very hardworking actor, I think.
1: Yeah, who stars in middle-of-the-road films and doesn't get recognition, it would seem. No, you're right, because Maniac was one of my most under rated film so yeah good on the lad but one of the main things that i was like i'm going to seek this out is that i found out when i imdb stalked it that it's written by damien chazelle and he's the man behind one of my favorite films of all time which is whiplash he also directed la la land which i haven't seen so between that and this you can tell that this is a man who loves his music He's not at the helm here. He just did the screenplay. And make no mistake, it is not in the same oeuvre as those sort of films. It's instead a silly little action thriller that's not trying to say anything deep and meaningful. It's just a plain and simple piece of entertainment. The premise of it is basically a phone booth on a stage with a man with a piano at his fingertips rather than a phone. And what's not to love about that? Probably quite a bit, actually, but I thought it was all right. I did have my doubts early on whether it would sustain any form of tension um, if it's just Elijah Wood sat at a piano for 90 minutes. But they find numerous ridiculous ways to ensure that the action isn't just limited to him being on the stage all the time. And they freshen things up with some really interesting camera work, and I really did notice it in this film. Some of the shots are just so unusual and the way that they're framed it's going to be hard for me to explain it but there's there's one shot where somebody runs to the back of the theater and you see behind this wall at the back of the theater and then the rest of the theater and the stage itself and then there's a bit of action that's taking place behind this wall but the wall acts as like a as a split screen so then the Camera then zooms in on the right-hand side to what's going on on stage, even though they were one shot at one point in time. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it makes sense. Is it a bit like the shot in Bad Boys 2 that rotates around two different rooms? No. Okay.
1: (laughs) I've I've described it poorly. It's fine. Anyway, it looks good. I'm not going to lie to you. It's nothing spellbinding. I'm not even going to be thinking about this a week from now. But I did have a good time with it whilst it was on, and I was never bored. And I think it deserves that underrated status. Um, It's a lot worthy of a higher score than 5.5 on IMDb and is further evidence, to your point, that it cannot be trusted. So if you want something that's thrilling enough to see you through 80 minutes, it's a pulpy piece of popcorn entertainment. Give Grand Piano a go. Very good. I will check that out. You won't. won't. I won't. No. No. (laughs) James, we're going to dive into your watch list now. But I wanted an update from you. I've heard there's some really, really interesting developments with WandaVision. And I know that for the sake of people not getting annoyed with us and switching off, you can't go into it. But are you up to date? Are you still as enamored with it as you were at the start? I'm up to date
0: and I'm enamored. There are universe-breaking developments in it very exciting, lots of exciting implications. I've not watched all the YouTube videos that have cropped up for it, no matter how much the algorithm wants me to, because I know it's all meaningless speculation. But yes, things happen. People show up that do make you think, oh, okay, okay. There's fourth wall breaking things going on. And In episode three, maybe, I thought to myself, oh, this is a Trojan horse for a new character. And I've been proven right. It is a Trojan horse for a character that will probably be developed in future
1: films. Very good. I stupidly have spoiled everything for myself by listening to a podcast on the whole thing. So I know exactly what happens, but my word it. Is everything you just described, but it sounds so ambitious that it's got me pretty excited for getting knees deep into one division. That sounds weird. Um,
0: yeah, it is interesting, but w- because it's magic based, I feel like they have the option of saying, oh, it was all just magic. Forget about it. It's, it's fine. We're not going to follow up. That is an option for them as well.
1: Yeah. Well, good on you, because you said at the time, I'm not going to get invested in the whole rumour and speculation around it, and it seems like you've, you've stuck to that, so well done. But from what I hear, because I've not done that, they, they're thinking bigger, that they're aiming high with this. So I think they're not just going to go back on it,
0: but we'll see. What I do want to say, though, is that amidst all the speculation about what else could happen in the ECU, and there's this speculation about who's the Luke Skywalker-style cameo at the end, it obscures the fact that this is a really well-made programme where they do the recreation of a sitcom from each decade, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and they did the 2000s last week. I think that's really fun to watch, and Elizabeth Olsen and... Paul Bettany and everyone else, they all switch up how they act as well. And I think that's really fun to watch as well. And it's worth watching for that. And that's been obscured by all
1: this speculation. No, it's a worthwhile thing to note because the main hook for me has been the, oh, you're going to... In fact, I can't say, can I? But uh, (laughs) yeah, that's something that I am interested in seeing because I think it it's a bit different, isn't it? You don't tend to get shows that will show you very many different sitcoms throughout the ages I guess and that's very odd for a superhero show to do as well so what else have you pre-prepared
0: watched for this I'd been hyping this up for myself since I saw the trailer on Netflix tribes of Europa I've only watched the first episode I did want to watch it all but I've not so I can't judge it fully but I have judged it already because it's so firmly within what I like dystopian future bits of sci-fi mystery rich world building with the factions fighting each other and it's from the creator of dark one of my all-time favorites on netflix it's much less complex than that something happened 50 years ago and now everyone in europe is in small tribes the countries don't appear to exist anymore and they fight each other that's the plot that I can gather up to now. And there's a MacGuffin, there's a cube that everyone's looking for that is the key to everything. It centers around three siblings from this first tribe that you meet. And I think it's going to be about their journey out into Europa and how they deal with this new world. There's an opening scene that shows the sister surrounded by jeeps in like a war zone another guy's captured, another guy's running through a forest, all in like this opening scene to show. They go to different places. Something I don't understand is why people talk as though this situation has gone on for longer than it has. They say things like, this is how it's always been in our tribe. This is our law. When these tribes and their cultures have only existed for one generation and the old world before Black December is still within living memory, that doesn't make any sense to me. If you know the PlayStation 4 video game, Horizon Zero Dawn, you might know what I mean when I say it's a little bit like Zero Dawn. You have a group that respects nature, which is where the protagonists start off, and they want to be isolated. They don't want to know about the outside world. And then the outside world comes in, and you have a dangerous, violent group that wears black. The comparison ends there really it's about <laughs> society's collapsed new people are trying to rebuild society it's similar in that way i might report back later when i've watched more but for now i'm very intrigued and i like it and again i was surprised to see that this has made its way into the netflix top 10
1: even though it's german people willing to give foreign content more of a shot i think that's what we're seeing in these recent top 10 lists and that's not a bad thing so more of this please looping is still on my list everyone's been banging on about that saying how brilliant it is but i haven't got around to it yet have you watched any of that
0: no i've not no. i almost did but i don't know why it's just i watched something else very good anything else james no no just tribes of europa was my main event for this week and i only watched one episode
1: this is mainly because i've done you over and i nicked behind her eyes off you isn't it we should really discuss what we're watching <laughs> tribes of
0: europa was going to be our main thing but i i only watched one episode so i can't go into full
1: detail i think you've nevertheless given us a good flavor for it so and again we it comes into what we were talking about the other week so the jury's still out on this it's very uh, fair to middling the response um, from what i've seen so maybe it's just finding its feet and people are getting more up to speed with what's going on and finishing the series off and please do the same james and let us know your overall thoughts when you're done with it i will really well, nice. yeah
0: <laughs> it's the real thing it is now real real news, news I saw a headline on my phone without the quotation marks and I read it 10 times trying to make sense of it and only now that I've opened it, I see that there are question marks which make it make more sense. Tell me if you can make sense of this headline. The party films sales boards too close to the sun, my neighbour's neighbour, the sea ahead. What? The party films sales boards too close to the sun, my neighbour's neighbour, the sea ahead. That's just an amalgamation of words. It's not a sentence. It's not. I was so totally baffled by this in my Apple News app, and even after opening it on Variety.com. still didn't make sense. Now that I've opened it on my computer for this humorous news section, I see where the quotation marks are. The party film's sales boards, quotation marks, too close to the sun, comma, my Neighbour's Neighbour, The Sea Ahead. It's three film titles. Right, okay. The Party Films Sales Boards, Too Close to the Sun. My Neighbour's Neighbour, The
1: Sea Ahead. It's three films. Whoever let that go to press just needs shooting because it's not clear, even with the quotation marks, I don't think. I can't visualise it, so maybe I'm wrong, but it just doesn't even flow off the tongue very well. It doesn't. The Party Films Sales is the name of a. So oh, you're just gonna say it again. <laughs>
0: the Party Films Sales is a company that buys films, basically. So using the word boards is very weird. It might be technically accurate, but boards. It, it did my head in this
1: headline. I tell you. And mine for a good two minutes. I'm I'm glad we've got to the bottom of it. Well, what does it really mean for the people, James? Not a lot. Not a lot. Not anything that's even worth talking about. So we can move on. (laughs) Okay. Quick one from me. The Running Man, James. Have you heard that Edgar Wright is going to direct a remake of the famous Arnold Schwarzenegger films of the 1980s? Or Stephen King novel, should I refer to it as? Whatever. It's both, isn't it? No,
0: I've not heard this. Edgar I'm... Wright, Sorry. famous director of
1: Shaun of the Dead. And that one. That's the one. And my favorite, one of my favorite, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Great film. And almost half director of Ant Man. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. He got replaced, didn't he? By, no, I'm never going to pull that out of my ass. Peyton Reed, I want to say, but it's not. I don't know either. No, never mind. But I'm excited for that. I don't know if you have fond memories of the original film, but I loved that. Great little graphically violent sci-fi action thriller. Yeah, very violent. Classic
0: Arnie. Just ripping people's heads off and running around and getting exploded.
1: Yeah. So, And Edgar Wright, he's, he's, just, he's a really talented guy, so I think he can bring something new to the table with that and make it feel fresh and new. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited too. Is there a release date on this story? Soon, like 2023. Soon. Yeah. I've no idea. I'm just making it up. This is a proper podcast. Can't just put dates on it because I feel like it. The answer is I don't know. That's better. That's a better answer. What have you got for us?
0: The evolving story of Gina Carano is such a quagmire, isn't
1: it? Why? What's happened? No. I have heard. (laughs) I've heard. Bring the people up to speed. What's gone on?
0: I'm not going to do the whole thing. Just the one sentence or possibly two sentence summary is that she was tweeting. She was tweeting all the wrong things for a number of topics like coronavirus and the election and things about comparisons to 1930s Germany. Pronouns. It all went a bit too far. And then Disney said, right, that's enough. You're out. Soz. Two sentence announcement. That's it. And then it all blows up. And the latest thing that's happened is that she did a one hour sit-down interview with the DailyWire.com, which is a conservative small c American news organization. Do you think that's a fair description? Unbiased? I think I think so,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know what is real in this situation. The two sides have completely different versions, and it seems to be a matter of choosing which reality you want to follow based on which side you want to be on. And if someone from each side listened to this, I'm sure they would both say, no, my reality is correct. After The Last Jedi, the Star Wars fan base was split. You either love or hate The Last Jedi and things about your character can be determined from that opinion. The Mandalorian united the fans, and the season two finale cameo was this moment of reconciliation with disenchanted fans. Now, we're back to you support the firing or you don't. If you support the firing, you're opposed to free speech. If you want to save Gina Carano, you are scum, subhuman scum. It's Alan Partridge. This is how both sides are at fault. The fire Gina Carano side has taken the least charitable view possible of everything that she said, and based on that, demanded the maximum punishment. I don't think that is helpful for human progress, if that's how we're going to react to things. The save Gina Carano side are applying the worst possible motives to Disney and making this into a battle for the future of media, maybe the world. Gina Carano made clumsy, ill-judged comments. Disney made a boring economic decision to no longer work with an actor to protect their brand during sensitive times. That's what I see. But the two sides are so convinced of their positions that I don't know what to believe or whether I'm completely missing the point.
1: Can you help me out, James? Because I... I brought this up as a suggested news topic the other week, but failed to notice that I hadn't informed myself on it very much at all. Just read high-level headlines, and that's it. Done no further digging. So what's what's the big crux of this whole argument? That, I mean, well, in fact, that would make everything you just said redundant. You've gone into it. But I've heard that there's a bit of double standards going on here. Is this just nonsense? Is this tabloid nonsense because I hear that Pedro Pascal has made similar tweets and yet he's still in the Mandalorian. They haven't fired him. What's what's the crack with all that? Is that is that rubbish or is it true?
0: I have read that and again I don't know. Yes, he has made similar comparisons to a certain period of a certain European country's history. But I don't know who's misrepresenting who at this point. Mm. So the side that wants to save her. They're taking the least charitable view of everyone else's tweets to say, "Well, you should have fired them, not the person that we like." And are then... they?
1: Are they though? Or are they not? I just don't. Saying... I don't know. I honestly just <laughs> don't know because <laughs> I thought they were just pointing to it as a "Hang on a minute, it's either one rule for all, or you're being a bit sexist here." What's with the double standards? And that is a worthwhile point to make. Regardless of whether it be Pedro Pascal or Gina Carano, um, I don't know. I don't like say I've, I've not, I've not done my research. I, I should know better, but it does seem like the word quagmire is a very appropriate word to use for this situation because I'm still muddled. Even though you gave a very concise rundown of it, if I'm honest, I'm muddled as well. Another double standard
0: that has been identified is that when The Last Jedi came out, there was a backlash against Kelly Marie Tran's character. For being trans? And no, that's a name. Oh. Kelly- <laughs> when I said that, I thought, oh, that could be heard that way. And then you actually said it. Yeah. The character played by Kelly Marie Tran was so unpopular that Kelly Marie Tran was abused and driven off social media. Now, here we have a situation where another Star Wars actor, Gina Carano, is also being attacked, abused, commented a lot on social media. But that's a non-issue mm-hmm. in this case. So I don't know what to
1: think about it. Just don't think anything. Let's just sit on a fence, eh? And uh, let's just see what happens. Yeah, see what happens. The podcast without an opinion. Welcome to In the Isles.
0: Yep, and we don't have an opinion, so don't stop listening because of our opinion, because we don't have an opinion.
1: <laughs> Never a true word spoken. We do have an opinion, however, on what is the greatest video game adaptation of all time. What are you talking about? Yeah, I very much disagree Shut with up that yet, too. You do not have good opinion. What an idiot! I hate. Opinions. You can't even speak. Nothing you saying makes sense conflicts of interest video games they can be great but can films based on video games be anything other than mediocre this is not a new debate this topic has been circulating about for years with the resounding answer being hollywood just cannot master this but have the intervening years changed anything let's start with a simple question james have you ever seen a decent video game adaptation brought to the big screen
0: no i haven't but some research shows that the two best are detective pikachu and the sonic film with jim carrey have you seen either of those films no uh... (laughs) one that stands out to me as a childhood favorite is the mario brothers film
1: that's notorious for being one of the worst films of all time
0: yeah I just
1: bring it up because when you
0: suggested this topic, I thought, oh, Mario Brothers with Bob Hoskins. I remember that film. Doesn't mean it's
1: good. I just knew that I remembered it. So it's been a bit short and sweet, but neither of us have any evidence for any film that is a solid video game adaptation. Should we just leave it there? This has been a massive, epic waste of time. What did you think of Sonic? It was okay, but it wasn't brilliant. In fact, it, it probably is one of the best video game adaptations of all time, but is that's not a hard thing to do because they're all terrible. And you know who's to blame for that? Uwe ball! Do you remember him? Yes, who made a
0: series of awful tax write-off adaptations like yeah, Blood Rain.
1: That's the one. He and, what was it, Alone in the Dark with Christian Slater. He just put the final nail in the coffin for video games when he started on his horrific run of just straight to video nonsense and ever since then it's been an uphill struggle and I don't think anyone's ever got to the top
0: No. Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander had all the ingredients to be great but the script let it down
1: Yeah, it's one of the more serviceable adaptations I think that one, I I, I wouldn't say it's an awful film but the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider <laughs> Wow, shambolic
0: Tomb Raider 2, Cradle of Life, that might be the single worst film that
1: I have ever seen in the cinema. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Good poster, though, read into that what you may. So the question was Has there ever been a decent video game adaptation and what's the best? The answer is no, there hasn't been and there isn't a good one. So, main review. <laughs>
0: like to order an opinion please this film is new fresh point of view hold me sit back this is a fact we in the aisles here are some aisles thoughts in sync tell you what to think i'll listen to you but please don't rap
1: again this week's main review is barb and star go to vista del mar just playing with this lamp.
0: Oh. <laughs> I'm Star, short for Starbra. Assume yours is Barbara. Nope, just Barb. <laughs> Plain old Barb. I want to thank Barb and Star for hosting tonight's talking club. And for making their hot dog soup. Dog soup. I like the salt. I like the hot dog. It's
1: not as runny as it usually is. does ah, she I Oh, she gives me bigger teeth. Love big teeth. She loves big teeth. Even if it's just two eyes on a... Bunch of tea. It would be so nice. Look, my new phone case. <laughs> I love it! It's like I'm listening to the ocean. Wait, we don't have cell phones. I know. I'm going to take it home and glue it to our landline. Holiday. Hi! Oh, yeah, Hi! Yeah, Hi! Yeah. Hi! We need a holiday. Hi! Holiday.
0: I'm Barb, and this is Star. Rubber
1: number again, please, sir. 611.
0: 611? Oh, my... Barb! <gasps> Oh my gosh, he's 6'11". 6'11? We're in
1: 124. (laughs) From the makers of Bridesmaids comes a goofball comedy starring two of the actors from Bridesmaids, who also happened to write the screenplay for the 2011 box office smash, Bridesmaids. The latest cinematic effort acts as a dual apology vehicle for Kristen Wiig for the failure that was Wonder Woman 1984 and Jamie Dornan for his lackluster performance in Synchronic. So if you're looking for a story of friendship to understand who you are, itching for some laughs that are well above par, if so, you're in luck. You don't have to look far. Just seek out and watch Bob and Star go to Vista Del Mar. I would add Ghostbusters
0: 2016 to the sins that... Kristen Wiig needs to make up for. Noted. IMDB says, lifelong friends Barb and Star embark on the adventure of a lifetime when they decide to leave their small midwestern town
1: for the first time ever. James, I'm ever so intrigued, because this could go either way. Please tell me, what did you think of Barb and Star? Go to Vista, Delmar.
0: The first thing I'll note is that I am capable of watching a comedy alone and laughing. I'm working my way through Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I'm laughing out loud, literally. So that's on the table. (laughs) I watched Barb and Star by myself, but that will not be used as an excuse for this film. It's original. I thought that this was based on a Saturday Night Live skit, that these were popular, well-loved characters that were given a film, but that is not the case. It has two stories. One is Barb and Star realising that it's not too late to live their lives. And the other is Jamie Dornan in an Austin Powers film. I think the humour is supposed to come from smashing those two together, but it was more like smashing two rotten eggs together. Put that on the poster. On top of that, you have the absurdity, the talking crab calls Morgan Freeman with a D, but that was randomness for the sake of it, it seemed to me. I didn't get anything out of that. It adds up to a comedy that is too long. Two hours is too long for what this is. Similar comedies like Zoolander and Austin Powers are 89 and 91 minutes respectively. And think how many classic moments and scenes are packed into those 89 minutes. Some of this seems like Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo improvising at each other and neither the director or the editor a few weeks later had the confidence to stop them. So let me linger there on Barb and Star. As I said, I thought this was a Saturday Night Live skit made into a film, and I hate Saturday Night Live. These characters, it's a one-note joke. They have a funny accent. The best friends living small-town lives. That's not enough for two hours. In the scenes where they're rambling at each other, it seems like Kristen Wiig and... Anna Mumolo are grinning and holding back laughter just like they do on Saturday Night Live skits because they think it's genius and everyone on the set is laughing having such a good time but I wasn't laughing she's not laughing she's pissing herself that's from the thick of it Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, Jamie Dornan has no business being in a comedy he takes his shirt off twice okay keeping out of that when justice league's offensively revealing amazon warrior outfits come up again i did smile on a few occasions but they dragged it out two examples take my calloused hand i smiled oh your hand is so calloused what do you do oh let's drag that out uh. example two morgan Freeman, with a d i smiled Then he lists his life events and their Morgan Freeman characters. And then he goes off into the sea to all this dramatic music. Why? You dragged it out. Morgan Freeman with a D was enough. And that's why this film is two hours long because they overplay almost everything. There were things that I liked that I won't list. Things that showed what could have been and that shows the writers are funny. It just wasn't enough. Okay. Daniel, what did you think? Of Barb and Star go to
1: Vista Del Mar? So, a few minutes into this, I saw Adam McKay and Will Farrell's names pop up as producers and I felt instantly deflated. I just immediately set my expectations to as low as you can go. And that's because they went through this success period in the mid 2000s with Anchorman and Talladega Nights, which weirdly, I've never seen Talladega Nights, but since then they just churn out comedies. And I can't think of anything since Step Brothers, which was 2009, that I actually liked. I also really despise Bridesmaids as a film. I hated it. I'm not a fan at all. So this film had a number of things stacked against it. However, completely opposite of yourself, I'm really pleased to report that this film completely and utterly took me by surprise. I will say, if you did like Bridesmaids, don't bank on the fact that you'll enjoy this film because Bridesmaids was trying to cash in on the gross-out comedy genre by offering a female slant on a very tried-and-tested formula. This is a different beast entirely. The comedy itself, for me anyway, is inventive. More importantly, I thought it was funny, and it is, as you said, downright bizarre. It's proper off-the-wall absurdist comedy. Agreed with you on that. I can't say that I full-on laughed my ass off out loud. I didn't. It wasn't that sort of experience for me, but I did have a constant smile on my face throughout. You mentioned before people have drawn a lot of comparisons to films like Austin Powers, and in fact, I've not heard many people reference Zoolander, but you mentioned it before. That's what I felt it channeled the most humour-wise for me, and it's one of my favourite films. So obviously I was probably going to like this quite a bit but even though it draws inspiration from those things it does still manage to be 100 100 percent its own thing I think you are the other side of the coin on this one because despite me being positive on it it is the type of film where you know within the first 10 minutes whether you're along for the ride and my partner was of the exact same opinion as you she was not on board for it at all it is by its nature a Marmite film In many respects, you'll either love it or hate it. And I would say the same really goes for the two main characters, Barb and Star, and their relationship. I think there's been a lot of failed attempts at female-led buddy comedies in recent years. And the main ones that spring to mind are each and every Melissa McCarthy film that's come out in the last decade. And they're, they're all films that everybody's forgotten about. But this, to me, felt like something truly different and that they were attempting something a bit different. Uh, And because of that, I can see this going on to have quite a cult following in years to come. That is guaranteed, in my opinion. One of the things I loved is it doesn't pander to the audience at all. The comedy is unconventional, and it understands that it's going for a niche audience. Um, I don't think it cares about catering to the masses. It really doesn't. But I, I think it stays true to its spirit and what it sets out to be. And for me, it was all the better for that. Another way that they go against the grain, which I feel is the opposite of what you took, is I didn't feel there was a lot of overly gratuitous male or female gaziness. It doesn't feature tits and ass every five minutes, like you might find with some male-focused comedies. I'm not saying that offends me, by the way, but I just admired that they didn't feel like they had to go there. And when they do present eye candy in the form of of Jamie Daunt, and it's done in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, because he arrives on scene and I've slated him the other week for his performance in Synchronic but I enjoyed seeing him in this comedic role I think he fully embraced taking the piss out of himself and he almost lampoons this sex symbol status that he has and I appreciated that he's not the only bright spot in this I think everybody in the cast seems like they're having a whale of a time and I think that does come across on the screen the way the film looks too is is it matches that bright and upbeat energy. It's almost garish to look at in some scenes. There's just this overabundance of colors, whether it be the costumes or the scenery. But it helped create this slightly off-kilter universe where everything is exaggerated. You're not you're not even sure what time period it's saying. It feels like an alternative reality in that sense. Um, oh, I just I don't. I have very, very few bones to pick with this film. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece by any means, but it's a big hearty bowl of comedy porridge and a full-on mood boost of a film. And I enjoyed it. As you said, after my
0: remarks, I can see what you're saying. I can see how you got there. And I do like that they were obviously writing the film that they wanted to write and then they made the film they wanted to make. It's a complete vision if, if you know what i mean yeah it's it's, a, it's an uninterfered uninterrupted these are our, our de- ideas take it or leave it and i think that's that is a positive thing
1: mm. it's just not going to gel with everyone and it didn't gel with you and that's that's fine
0: no it didn't i was very proud of myself the pianist the second pianist of this episode richard cheese who i think is introduced as richard cheese i no, his music. I'm familiar with his music. Do you know who he, who he is? Have you ever heard of him before?
1: Never heard of him before. I watched this film, no.
0: Richard Cheese is the name of a character and he does comedy covers of songs. So the one that I was introduced to is a cover of a Slipknot song called People Equals Shit. <laughs> right. And the Slipknot song is a Slipknot song But then the cover, it's him in a sort of piano bar style, but still delivering the very aggressive language of a Slipknot song. Really, really funny. So check that out on Spotify, Rich Cheese, because he does lots of like funny covers. Well, he covers the lyrics, but the style is so different that it becomes funny. It's comedy. However, in this film, his entire role is to say boobies. He sings boobies. I wasn't a fan of that.
1: I do I do understand where you're coming from. It is a bit juvenile, but I just... I'm laughing now, by the way, at the fact that... But I've got in my notes, I really like the boobies guy. <laughs> <laughs> I really embraced the batshit craziness of it. I just... I loved how random and off-the-wall it was. I, I don't know why. I think... There's a lot to be said for what mindset you're in at the time as well. I think if you're just in... I'm not implying, by the way, that you were in a bad mood when you watched this film. I'm not. (laughs) But I think if you are, you've got to be very open to it, I think. If there's anything that's slightly pissing you off, I don't think you're going to enjoy the film. But I'm not implying that was your journey. That's fine. I agree. It needs to be a film night. It needs to be, let's have a film night, get
0: some Doritos or another brand, get some salsa dip you have to be in the, in in the mood for it i think but that's why i put my disclaimer at the start that i'm watching brooklyn 99 as well i'm enjoying that so yeah yeah keep that in mind
1: well i was going to ask you which bit did you find the funniest but <laughs> that's a bit of a mute point now uh... i did find i did find bits funny okay well but, but in fact probably more for spoilers that isn't it so we'll we'll leave yeah. that till then uh, another question, which is null and void now because you've almost answered it. I was going to say, did you find Barb and Star difficult to like at first? I would hazard a guess. Yes, you did. And that feeling continued for the entire film. I didn't find them difficult to like. I liked them. I liked them. Okay. My f- that's
0: why my first thought was, oh, these must be popular characters that people know because yeah. they are funny. But then I realised after five minutes, oh, it's just the accent. They just do an accent. Gems.
1: Would you recommend Parb and Star go to Vista Del Mar?
0: No, I would not. Understood. And I'll leave it there because I know what you're going to say, so I'll just say no. I, well, I failed, haven't I, in saying no, I would not because I'm still talking. <laughs> no, I wouldn't.
1: <laughs> well, I would, so there we go. Not hmm, 13.99 price point does make an impact on this, though. I don't feel it's worth that unless you're breaking current government guidelines and getting a group of people around the house to watch it and split the cost. I don't think it's worth 13 but it, it is good.
0: Good enough that we watched it to the end and we know the end. So should we talk about spoilers? Let's do it now.
1: Bruce Willis. real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. How do you spoil this film? Like, you, you can't. It's just the plot's irrelevant to a degree, must say, though, and it's not a spoiler as such, but maybe something worth discovering after you've seen the film. I did not know Kristen Wake was the villain. In fact, the actress who, well, it's obviously Kristen wake but I thought, who is that woman? And I couldn't find her on IMDb. I thought, who played her? I don't get it because I don't think she's listed as the villain on there. I might be wrong. Um, But yeah, it was only through an interview that I think they'd done that I found out she was playing both characters. And a fine job of it, I think she does too, because they're completely different performances. um, And she's unrecognisable for the most part. Not purely from an aesthetic point of view, but just her mannerisms and her voice. I thought she did that quite well.
0: Completely agree. Yeah, really shows how good she is to do two totally, completely, utterly different characters. I saw a headline that said that test audiences also did not realise it was Kristen Wiig playing both characters.
1: Yeah. Oh, good. feel better now.
0: As this is a comedy, it's not like the plot is that important, but Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. In the background, there is a plot by the villain, also played by Kristen Wiig, to kill people with a swarm of bees. Jeremy Dornan has a change of heart, doesn't do it. Yeah. Anything else?
1: Uh, There's this side plot about both Barb and Star going after Jamie Dornan's character, isn't there? They want a deeper one-on-one connection with him following this drug-induced threesome that they have, and that causes a bit of a rift between the pair. But they come back together eventually and discover that friendship is just as important as a meaningless holiday fling, I would say. But no, I think that is pretty much the bulk of it, isn't it? It is.
0: And that... Love Triangle was the source of the thing that I thought was the most funny, which is when they have exactly the same date twice. So Barb goes on a date and there are distinctive extras. There's a boy carrying candy floss going past. There's a few certain shots on a bridge, then they're in a boat. Fast forward to Star, she does exactly the same date with the same extras and the same shots, bridge, boat, that was funny. That was properly funny. I liked that. And that's why I say you can tell that they have made an effort and there are funny things.
1: Mm. I did. I mean, I'm not trying to imply that it's highbrow comedy at all, because it's blatantly not. But again, I felt as though it wasn't relying on somebody being sick on someone or inserting a dick joke here and there. I just admire that they thought outside the box. Although now that I think about it, there's a few dick jokes. No, yeah, there is. There is definitely. So I'm I'm, I'm completely wrong. Ignore what I'm saying.
0: Like A recurring character saying boobies I think is on that same level as Dick jokes. I, I think you're right. It's not the wrong Missy. It is not the wrong Missy.
1: Yeah. And I just liked the attention to detail. I feel like there was a lot of things written on a wall or the back of a book that added an extra layer of humour that if you're not paying attention, you. Put, I'm, I'm not saying you weren't paying attention, by the way and your face looks like you hadn't even took it that way but now maybe you are but um yeah I just I I admired it for that and I thought there was some really clever spins on jokes that you've seen before so finest example I can think of is you know you've got that age old somebody goes what the f and then it cuts away and in this it does the same thing but it was the most inspired bit of editing I've seen in ages because it cuts it with somebody at the tail end of a sneeze so it actually sounds like the same the word folk. I don't know. Maybe I've just got a low barrier for, for comedy, but I, I just loved it. I find it really funny.
0: Did you like the two musical numbers? There was one where they arrive at the hotel and there was the second one with Jamie Dornan.
1: I did. I liked both of them. More so the Jamie Dornan one, I think. But... <laughs> Just for the sheer weirdness of it, with him crawling up the tree and it not even making like sense in terms of gravity, really, it was just—it's odd, isn't it? But it's—it spoke to me for some reason. But there you go. There, there was some good
0: setup and payoff. Like I can't remember how it or why exactly it was said, but they were talking about something, and it was incorrectly identified as HPV. Like I've got this—I've got the HPV, and I thought HPV isn't that. And then, ten minutes later, it does pay off with Jimmy Donna saying, "I've got HPV," and then the barvin Star reacts as though he's as though he's talking about the virus HPV, and they like, "Well, oh, it's, it's very common." So there there is proper humor as well. That's why I say it's not like the wrong miss it. They've put effort into some setup and payoff mm. as well. It's not a complete waste of time. I just
1: didn't have a good reaction to it. No, I, I, I understand. I do understand. What did you think of Damon Wyan's character? Is hapless, worst covert spy ever? Because that, for me, was probably the closest thing to me laughing out loud. The fact that he constantly reveals way too much information and each and every time he's just like, damn it. <laughs> I didn't like it. Okay.
0: Okay. I didn't like it. <laughs> uh... Again, it was... It, uh... I get it, I get the joke. You've that's fair how you've described it. But they did it six times and they kept building it more and more. Which that and that's the joke, like because in the end he's he's leaving a sign on a door saying look down, but <laughs> another sign saying look down and then it pans down to the envelope and the envelope's massive and it and it says microchip in here. Like that's I get it. It's I, I get I get it. I get that it's done and the effort is there. I just didn't I just didn't laugh. I just I was just recognizing it as a joke without actually laughing.
1: So we've I think that's our most divisive film that we've had. I know that we've disagreed in the past, but I think we're at completely different ends of the spectrum on that one aren't we?
0: We are, yeah, I agree. Most divisive. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support us, remember you can share us on your social medias. You can like us on our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram on In The Isles podcast. Daniel, what are we reviewing next week?
1: We're reviewing the new-ish Rosamund Pike film, I Care A Lot, which is available on Amazon Prime Video.
0: I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what Amazon Prime can deliver in comparison to the Netflix originals that we've been talking about.
1: And we don't have to fork out an extra thirteen ninety nine for next week's episode. So that's always quite pleasant as well. From now until then, boobies. <laughs>